Big Fluff. Why should we believe your testimony then? I believe anything you say. That's up to y'all, really. You say you aren't here testifying against the defendant because of any deal you made with police. True that. That you're here because you, you, you want to tell the truth about what happened to Mr. Gant in that housing project parking lot. Yep. When, in fact, you are exactly the kind of person who would, if you felt you needed to, shoot a man down on a housing project parking lot and then lie to the police about it, would you not? And look, I ain't never put my gun on no citizen. You are a moral, are you not? You are feeding off the violence and the despair of the drug trade. You're stealing from those who themselves are stealing the lifeblood from our city. You are a parasite who leeches off Just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. We got the briefcase. It's on the game, though, right? I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. With me is Lars Periwinkle. How's it going? Hey, man. What's up? Hey. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, thanks for doing this with me. Like, I. I wish we were doing this under better circumstances. I guess. But. Uh, yeah. We. We wanted to put together something. Uh. To talk about Michael K. Williams. Uh. Who. You know. If you have followed the site, is very weirdly linked to. <laughs> uh hobotrashcan.com and hobo radio and uh obviously we were all really huge fans of him and his work and so you know we wanted to do something to to kind of remember him and, and talk about him a little bit and uh i yeah like i i man i i really wish we weren't doing this <laughs> like that just that you know like uh this is definitely hard I think to talk about like this, you know, we, unfortunately, like, I think you and I have been doing the show long enough that we, we've talked about a lot of, uh, celebrity deaths, but I, I will say that this one is hitting me pretty hard. Uh, it's just feels like a big loss. Um, <clears throat> most definitely. I, it came in, it came in on my, uh, my news feed yesterday. I got an alert and, um, I, the first thing I thought of was shit uh murphy just got that alert too and that sucks because like the the whole situation sucks but i i know um not only um not only were we all fans of his and when i say all i mean all of humans yes anyone who ever um, saw his work i think <laughs> yes yes um but also i know how integral he um he was in your professional life you know um uh, with with the website, um, with your favorite television show, um, we've talked about that show and him specifically. And see, on this show, we interviewed um, Lawrence Gilliard Jr. together, and his his name 
of course, popped up and um, Mr. Gilliard had nothing but great things to say and talked just about him for a few minutes because he's such a charismatic, um, talented, uh, excellent person. Yeah, I think that's been the really nice thing to see. And I think that's a good measure of a person is, you know, when someone like this dies, that it just has universally been an outpouring of people just rushing to say how much he meant to them, how special he was. Like, you can just you really get a sense of certain people like that lived their, their life well, that, you know, they the everyone <laughs> rushes to say, you know, he was an amazing person in my life. And yeah, I just it, it, we, like I said, weirdly, like my career is very linked to him. And, and so while I didn't, you know, I would never claim that I knew him well. I did interview him twice uh, for the site and. I I just want to be one more person, I think, to talk about like how special he was and if I can share just my specific story uh, about it, which I I did this probably better on Twitter. So if you want the more, uh, you know, kind of like cohesive version of this, uh, I wrote it out, but uh, I'll try to recap just a little bit. Uh, maybe people know this if, if they've been following us, but but maybe they don't. Uh, but yeah, so the Hobo Trash Can, the site was launched in uh, it was August 23rd, 2005, that day that it launched, the the big thing that we had going for us was an interview with Michael K. Williams. And it was it was a cool experience because I just, you know, probably overly ambitiously just decided like I had this idea for a site. I was like, I'm, I'm going to have a pop culture site. I'm going to launch it. And I want to have celebrity interviews on the site. And. Uh, as you said, like, I, I love The Wire. I was a huge fan of it. It was on at the time. And I was like, man, it'd be really cool to to get people from The Wire to talk to him about it. Like, you know, you and I are both from Maryland, like the Baltimore Connection. Plus, like, it's one of the greatest television shows of all time. So like, just yeah. this opportunity. And, and I think I, I think like I think just to remind the audience, <clears throat> it was The Wire was on. It was still on the air and they still were making the show. Which, if you don't remember that timeline, that means that nobody was watching it. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the wild thing now to look back on is like I, I got this interview with him and I I think in part some of that was because people weren't paying attention to the show in the way they would. Like now it seems obvious. And, and I think that I was just fortunate with timing. But it's like, well, of course, you'd want to interview Michael K. Williams about The Wire. But yeah, this was literally between seasons three and four. And it, at the time, too, it was like. I think something that maybe is lost at this point because uh, The Wire is pretty recognized for its brilliance now, years later, is that it was never even like a guarantee that there would be a season four. <laughs> like every season was a waiting game for, for David Simon and everyone to see if HBO was going to renew the show, which which HBO always loved the show, but it didn't have the ratings or critical acclaim to sort of justify <laughs> <laughs> bringing it yeah. back so it purely was their just unwavering belief that this show deserved to be made that it continued and because it's hbo because they could afford to just keep making this show right. and not have to worry about ratings or anything but yeah so it was that sort of the backdrop and you know aim big i was young and overly confident and didn't know what i didn't know and so i was like i want to interview michael k williams and i think probably some of that factored in i was probably lucky in that i don't think a lot of people had actually interviewed him yet at that point. And particularly, I don't think a lot of people 
if anyone had done an in-depth interview with him. And so I, I reached out, but I, I, this is a part that's always wild to me is I, you know, I emailed his, his manager and his agent and I, I sort of just pitched like, I want to do an interview for this site, uh, hobotrashcan.com. And at that point, if you typed in hobotrashcan.com, it, you got one of those classic old school under construction banners. There was <laughs> like all evidence pointed to this being a weird grift like that i i have often thought about yeah. it years later of how wild it is that they believed me maybe just because i was asking and no one else had thought to like do it but like there wasn't a lot of questioning me they just accepted me when i was like i i'm a writer well, i'm a it's reporter like you said at the time i remember you <clears throat> telling me you had this um this interview this is you know um uh, a bit a, a bit of time had passed since you had launched the site and done this interview. <clears throat> and when I saw it on your website, I said, you got you got Michael K. Williams. And you said, yeah, it was actually really easy because <laughs> no one cares about that show or that character the way they should. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was super simple. Yeah. Well, and super simple to the point, too, that like not only did I get the interview and I didn't realize how rare this was. Now I do like looking back. They gave me his cell phone number, like straight up. They were Jesus like, they're like, here's the time you're going to talk to Michael K. Williams. Here's his cell phone. Call him directly. Like if people don't know, because I didn't know it at the time, like normally there are many levels of protection yeah. so that you never get anyone's direct contact information. You know, it's usually like you're calling the manager and they're like, please hold. We'll connect you or anything right, to like, right. you know, because obviously like why, you know, it just doesn't seem like something that you want to do as a manager. But like, again, I, I think it just speaks to where everybody was at. But yeah, they gave me his cell phone number. We set up a time I called. Uh, and I think, you know, honestly, I mean, I think it was magical. I, I have no idea why it came together the way it did. I have no idea why he was so open. And maybe it was just because no one had sat down with him yet and like asked him about the show or anything. But like, I guarantee you that I was not good at interviewing him. I was super nervous and I hadn't really <laughs> done this. And so I just remember like sitting on the phone and I, I had my list of questions and I was going through them, but he just immediately. And I think this speaks to him. And I think a, a lot of other people said this, like he just was so warm and so open immediately. Like just, he was putting me at ease, which is not his job as the person being right. interviewed, but just like, Immediately, every question I asked, he answered really thoughtfully, like he opened up. He he talked about things that like would have been perfectly understandable if he didn't want to get into them. Like one of the things we talked about, how he got the scar, like he just told me that story. You know, like we we talked about his whole career, like we talked about uh, his work as a dancer and, and a lot of the, the stuff he had done before The Wire. And then we talked about The Wire. And uh, one of the things, too, that. I that always does stand out to me because like I kind of cringe at myself now when I look back at it. But again, I, I didn't know what the site was. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I just had this idea in my head of I'm going to like I knew that he had he had done a movie with Tupac. He knew Tupac from like the music scene like they they had crossed paths. They knew each other. And I mm -hmm. you know, at the time there was that like whole like everyone joked about is Tupac still alive? And so, like, I just, without really thinking about it, like, I look back at it now and I'm like, this, this guy knew Tupac. This is a weird question to ask him. But, like, I, 
I did my sort of jokey, like, so, man, I got to ask, is Tupac still alive? And his answer was beautiful. (laughs) Like, it was amazing. What he said to me is, he said, Pac is definitely still alive. He's strong in my heart. Fuck the flesh. That spirit is strong and kicking. That was his answer to my dumb. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I... I think like that's been sticking with me a lot, obviously, uh, since I heard uh, that, you know, Michael K. Williams had died because I that, you know, I, I do. I, I feel that way that, it you know, I haven't really accepted it. And I definitely feel that way about him that, you know, it, that he he is strong in my heart and fuck the flesh. Like, I, I've thought about that a lot just, you know, the last couple of days. <laughs> but. Uh, but no, I just, the, the whole experience was really special and just, that was all him. Like he just, for whatever reason, and it seems like maybe the reason is just because this is who he was, just like decided, I got you, you know, <laughs> like, like it yeah. had to have been clear to him that I did not know what I was doing, but he decided to make it seem like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and he right. just answered, He's like, oh man, this, this fucking kid. I'm Hold sure on, that was it. it. That had to be it. But I think he just was sweet and, and maybe read that, like, I was sincere in my, like, you know, I really was a fan of his work. I really wanted to have a good interview with him, but I just didn't have the experience yet. But I, I, I think that he really set the tone for every interview that I've done since then, because I think that he showed me what I like. He kind of reached a level from the first interview of what an interview could be. And then I think I've been chasing that. And I think that was all Uh, him. But it's like he just out of the generosity of his spirit decided to tell me these things and to give me an amazing interview. But like, I think that then I realized I need to be better at this so I can get everybody to do that. (laughs) Because like (laughs) everyone is not this guy. Everyone is not going to immediately feel comfortable with you and comfortable in their skin and just open up like this so you need to be better at this so that you can make them feel like you need to learn how to do for other people what he did for you i think is really like what i think i learned from that interview was just like he he kind of lifted me up and just uh you know really took the reins but it it was an amazing thing it was such a great gift for so many reasons but it also just i mean it set the the tone for everything else like it it gave the site this credibility like we you know, as The Wire started getting more recognition, we had a bunch of interviews with people from The Wire and we that all started with him. And also, once I interviewed him, it was really easy to get other people from The Wire because like now I had a site and now that site had an interview with Michael K. Williams. So that was instant credibility, too. So other people on the show, you oh, know, sure, sure. were willing they, to talk they, to me. And they had their, their people who were, they were like, oh, he, we got a request from this website. Let me check. Oh. Fuck, Michael K was on there. All right. Oh, no, then, yeah, it's I, good. He's legit. Let's do it. From when? 2005? No one gave a shit in 2005. Okay, this guy knows what's up. Yeah, and, it, and so I really do think that it gave the site that credibility. And it, it's a strange thing where, like, that interview continues to live on, uh, you know, that it because I had the fortune of being the first person to get a lot of in-depth stuff from him, a lot of that got cited in other places, like... It, Weirdly, if you if you look like I, I'm still considered a source of information on Michael K. Williams, and I 
you know, I think that all just was because he, <laughs> I think he was just ready. Like, I think that's really what it was. I think that he was a person uh, who, you know, was very thoughtful and very lovely to speak to and, and obviously went on to do a million other amazing interviews with people uh, after that. And I think that just, you know, I was lucky to talk to him at this point, right, like, milliseconds before his inevitable rise to <laughs> acclaim. Like, I think it really was just like a fortune of, of timing, but, uh, yeah, totally. you, I mean, you could have been one of, if not the first person to do a, a longer interview with him. And he, like you said, he probably was ready. He's like, I, I want to talk to people about my story. I want to tell them stuff like there's, <clears throat> Maybe not, um, you know, a complete open book, but like, I, you know, I, he's an, he's by all accounts of, he was a very open person, um, who was, was like, I, I, I want to share my story. You know, if people are curious about me, if they like my work, you know, I'm, I'm ready to talk about it, but no one wanted, no one wanted to hear it until Hobo Trash Can. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. So that that's just sort of my my personal connection. Um, we're we're later in the show. We're actually going to play. Uh, so I I did get to interview him a second time, uh, and we're going to play some of the audio from that. I tried very hard to find that first interview. Maybe early me just destroyed it because like uh -huh. <laughs> I maybe I knew that no one should ever hear that first interview because I like I'm sure he sounded <laughs> great, but I'm sure yeah. all of my questions. <laughs> were stammering messes at that point but uh but yeah i still have the audio from the the second interview we did so we'll we'll play that a little bit later but uh just in general yeah i just want to you know i like obviously just talked about him in a broader sense a little bit too uh just because yeah i mean in addition to all of that which is just the cool you know brief moment that my path got to cross with him like i just like we were saying, I mean, this all started as just being a fan of his work and just uh, really appreciating, obviously, him as Omar. And then all these years, you know, 16 years later, I, it's just been a lot of fun to see everything that he's done since. And almost oh, definitely, because he didn't. Um, I was going through and current, currently going through to remind myself of all the stuff he's done. And. He just he's he's one of these guys with such a great worth work ethic, and he, it seems like he just really liked these interesting roles, and he would just like pop in and pop out, and there's something magnanimous about that man that you always remember him. You know, I don't I don't recall any specific thing he said in in Twelve Years a Slave or. The movie adaptation of um, Cormac McCarthy's uh, The Road. But I remember him. I remember seeing him. I remember him being on screen and being really great for a, like 150 seconds. And yeah. you're like, you just, he just sticks with you like that. And, and um, uh, you know, from we were introduced to him as, as by and large, most of us. Introduced to him as Omar Little, the the um, um, sawed-off, toting, drug dealer, Robin, openly gay man. Um, and then um, come, come to find out he's actually 
really hilarious and has awesome comedic timing. What the fuck is that? How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, which I, do I was that? thinking well, about you know that. What, you know what sticks with me? But I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, this will be my, my, my no. last thing I'll say about, you know, specifically. But when he, he gives that short, very, very short speech on um, when he played the biology teacher at Greendale Community College about Legos. And he's he's just like, <laughs> what, happened, what happened to Lego? They used to be easy. You know, when I went into jail, they were easy. You know, Lego. They're just Lego. Well, I mean, what happened? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> this no. shit is great. He gives it with as much gravitas as anyone would in a dramatic role. And he's talking about Lego on a half-hour NBC sitcom. Oh, yeah. No, that character is great. I, I also really love him in the Law and Order episode of Community where uh, they're having the trial in his class and he's sort of acting as the judge and just, again, playing it utterly sincerely. Uh, his we're definitely dissecting pine cones next year. I like I always remember. <laughs> uh, but no, like I, I think that's it. I think he committed 100 percent to everything he did. I actually... I, I wish he had done more comedy. Like, I always really loved his comedic stuff, and I think yeah. it was nice to see that side of him. But I think that what I've been thinking about a lot, too, is with Omar is, I think this gets said a lot about a lot of people, but I think maybe it's never been more true than this, that I don't think anyone else could have played that role. I sincerely don't think. Yeah. Like, because I think it required both this external... He walks down the street and immediately just in, like intimidates everyone that, that a lot of Omar's thing was not actual like he didn't have to brandish the shotgun a lot. A lot of it was just reputation. And just if yeah. you saw Omar, everyone would say Omar's coming and get out of the way. And he had to sell that just like kind of desperado style, just walking down the streets of Baltimore, terrifying everyone. But also which. A lot of people could play that. That's, you yep. know, a pretty like standard role, honestly. But you have to have that side. And then also the actually sensitive, sweet Robin Hood. If he loves you, Omar truly cares about you and will fiercely protect you side. And I think that that's the thing where it's I have trouble really picturing anyone else capturing it the way that he did. And I think that that radiated from him of like he was someone you know i mean he he's from flatbush brooklyn <laughs> like he mm -hmm. he is someone who was scarred in a bar fight you know like yeah. he he lived a life but he also really did have that true sensitivity and sweetness and really loved and cared about the people that he loved and cared about and i think that so it's like Again, just the role of a lifetime, I think, for him, because like you get to play all of that, like you get to represent like this, this tougher side. And then also this like inherent sweetness that I think really was him and and all of it worked together. And if you didn't have that balance right, that character wouldn't work. And he did. And that he made him one of the most iconic characters in television and also one that was ridiculously trailblazing for a number of reasons. <laughs> like just like that yeah, character. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got that character, <clears throat> you know, who walk, who walks into the projects to rob people and like someone, anyone, anyone would play that as 
you know, sticking your chest out, Mm -hmm. you know, having a menacing look on your face. And basically anytime you you're walking that way, it should be shot in slow motion. And I think that's the way the character is written on the page because it was supposed to be a very, a very small arc for Omar, you know, but because Michael K brought, you know, made that character a human being that you could see him, you, you see him, you know, um, walk into the projects the same way he was wearing his silk pajamas to go to the store to get a, another box of honey bunches of oats, you know, because he was a, he was a person. He was a complete, he was a complete character, a human being. He, he wasn't a trope, you know, and he was never going to play it like a trope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, 100%. And yeah, I just think he brought so much to that character. Uh, and yeah, God, that scene, like there's also just, I, I'm not going to sit here and break down all the scenes, but the the Honey Nut Cheerios like satin robe, no place for his gun scene is uh-huh. one of my favorite Omar scenes, and is one of the things in this second interview that I did get to ask him about specifically. So, oh, like, that's great. Th- that is so great. you can hear him talk about that. But yeah, that scene and the the courtroom scene from season two are like two of my just like favorite scenes in television and television. You know, yeah, if anything, you. Anything you don't want to know about the five season epic of this television show, The Wire, you can learn in that scene. This is what this show is about. You know, is that this yeah. isn't good guys. This isn't about good guys and bad guys, you know, shooting it out and they're they're fighting for the life of the streets of Baltimore. That's not what this show is. You watch watch that courtroom scene when he breaks down what a lawyer is, what a judicial system is, who he is and who he is against. And now you know what the show is. Also, and you want to talk about comedic timing for him, too. The whole bit about the uh, DA tells him to just buy some... She gives him, like, a per diem to buy an outfit for court, and she says something with a tie, and he wears his normal clothes with just a tie that is just a tie. not correctly tied at all. And the way that he nope. just puts that tie on is so funny. Like... It- <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, everything I think, he's, I think he's, he's wearing like a like a Letterman jacket or something like that. Like it's a sports jacket, and he just like puts on the tie around his neck and puts like some sort of knot in it. And I'm sure he pocketed the rest of that money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's. I mean, that scene is honestly one of the funnier scenes in The Wire, and also one of the more profound. But but yeah, I just think that was it. Like he was just these contradictions with Omar. One of the other things that I remember learning from the first interview with him that I always thought was really cool is because if you think about Omar, he's like, again, he would walk down the street and he would whistle. And I remember asking him about it because I was like, so how did that happen? Like, why, why does Omar whistle the farmer in the Dell? Like when he walks down the street and he corrected me and he was like, no, he's whistling hunting. We will go because I was thinking Elmer Fudd with a shotgun. (laughs) That's so great. (laughs) Yeah. Like just that again, like he was was like, oh man, he's such a badass gangster. And he's like, I think I'm playing this like Elmer Fudd. I'll play like (laughs) Elmer Fudd. Uh, But yeah, I, I think that's it. Like he just was a truly unique performer who, like you said, committed 100% to every role just was iconic in everything he did. And, and I mean, we're talking a lot about The Wire because that was the first thing we loved him in, but worked consistently through like Lovecraft Country, which people are saying he might finally bafflingly win his first Emmy 
for Lovecraft Country. Because again, The Wire, nobody was paying attention. But like, you know, I mean, I mean, like I'm looking at talk about working. I'm seeing nine credits from 2014, uh, eight credits from 2013. Like the the guy just liked to work and he did it well. And I don't I don't want to look over because I've seen I've seen a few episodes of Boardwalk Empire, but I think a lot of people will know him from that as much as the wire maybe um but he was it was uh chalky white in in uh, boardwalk empire and still you know it goes without saying he's killing it but he's killing it in some dope ass suits yeah Man, he looked good in the well, he looked in the look good in those 20 suits well and it's also nice uh i molly and i watched the where he the gq thing where he was talking about his roles and it was very sweet to hear him talk about chalky white because he said that he borrowed a thing from Denzel Washington of like looking to the ancestors. So he really pulled from his family of people who were alive at that time to like different. Okay. This aspect of Chalky, like who does that remind me of? And like, so it was very cool to hear him talk about just like all of the little pieces that he took from, from his family to, to like yeah. kind of piece together. Uh, but yeah, I just, man, man, Michael K. Williams was great. That's I think that's really what we're trying to say is like, I, I wish I had something more profound to say. I just, I, I think it's a huge loss for, for everyone who crossed paths with him. I think it's a huge loss for, uh, you know, every, like just the entertainment industry. I, I just think he was such a lovely person and he was so talented and I think he had so much more left to give to the world. And and I, yeah, I just think that, I don't know, it sucks. <laughs> like, I, I wish I, again, yeah. I, I wish I had something more eloquent to say, but it just, it hurts. Like, it, it really sucks. And I, I think I'm just eternally grateful that I lived at a time that Michael K. Williams lived, that somehow, magically, he allowed our paths to cross, and I, I got to talk to him for a little bit, and 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 see one-on-one what I think everyone who saw who met him was, which was just that this was a special person who could really, like, cared about people and could really lift people up. Uh, and so hopefully you get a little bit of that from the interview. Like, you know, you can, I, like I said, I, I thought people, you know, it might want to hear him. Uh, the audio is a little shaky because these were in the early days of Hobo Radio. Well, of a Hobo Trash Can when I wasn't worried. There was no Hobo Radio. So, like, <laughs> these were all tape recorder interviews. But I still think it's worth it just to get to hear him a bit. Uh, oh, and most yeah, definitely. You can- most definitely. And, like, I, I would direct people um, direct people to uh, what you wrote on Twitter. And, oh, and in this interview, like, if you, you know, I, I think you were very, very eloquent in and what you wrote online and uh, if this is the interview i'm thinking of this is a really great interview because there are some um some a little bit of like fantasy foreshadowing well yeah I, so i think what, where, what happens to people and stuff yeah so this was before so, so again i interviewed him before season four and then i think this was uh the second interview i did which was 2006 which is right before season five so i was talking to him and we we didn't know, like I didn't know what was going to happen in season five. And I was asking him how he would like Omar's story to end, which is one of my favorite things that he talks about. Uh, and yeah. yeah, we talk about the Honey Nut Cheerio thing. And yeah, I just I don't know. It's it was a really nice uh, second chat with him. He was awesome. And uh, yeah, if you 
aren't super familiar if you listen to this and you're you're not super familiar with michael k williams do yourself a favor and watch anything that he's in because it's all worth it uh and he was great oh man all right and uh, fuck the flesh fuck the flesh Let me ask you first, uh, you know, how have you been since the last time I talked to you? How, how's everything been going? Can't complain, you know, it's a roller coaster ride, you know how it is. I'm trying to ride the wave right now, you know, like, work out, you know, future projects, get everything lined up, see what's going on out there. Alright, well, let me ask you, uh, how happy were you to hear that the, uh, the wire had been picked up for a fifth season? I mean, it, it was. You know, it was like, to me, it was a no-brainer. I, was, I don't know what they went through, all that, you know, all that, you know, paperwork and, and stress. I, you know, I really knew. Was, I mean, I felt it, you know, just, you know, you know they, they said they based it on, um, on it, was, it was based on what the critics were going to say. I was like, well, the critics have always given us, given us rave reviews. They, we, we, you know, we've, you know, you know, they've always been fans, fans of the show. I was like, well, if that's what you're based on, you might as well go ahead and cut the check now. <laughs> Why are you going through all of this? But uh, anyway, so, I mean, I, I, I was, but, you know, I, I was very happy to know that they did, you know, it did, it did work out, but um, I kind of, you know, I kinda, you know, you get those feelings, you know, it's coming back. So is that something that you worry about, the uh, the, the critical reaction and the, I mean, because obviously you, you have fans that are very committed, but it, it hasn't, the show it doesn't have like I mean, a huge... You know, I, I, me personally, I, I don't, you know, I try not to worry about that, you know, at all, actually, you know what I'm saying, I mean, but I, you know... You know, being that, uh, you know, seeing that Hollywood has not recognized the show, you know, um, at least the critics does. So, you know, the critics, what the critics say about about us, it does matter because they're our only voice right now, you know what I mean? Um, but like I said, you know, Hollywood doesn't acknowledge us. So it's good that the, I'm very grateful that the, that, the, that the critics love the show. So it's a good feeling. You know, that lets, that lets me know that somebody's out there. Somebody's watching. <laughs> one thing about the show that I think is kind of interesting is it you are you guys sort of are outside of Hollywood you know it films in Baltimore and it's definitely not your typical sort of Hollywood production um, do you think that makes a difference in the show or um I can't I, I don't know you know what I'm that's a that's a that's a tall question but I, I do know that you know you know the, the, the wire could not have been the wire had it been shot anywhere else but Baltimore that 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 I do know, but I, I you know I don't know you know you know saying you know if we couldn't have pulled it off in Hollywood it would have been almost as good. But what we have right now, what you see is is that had to have happened, you know, only by a shooting in Baltimore. That it had to you know it had to be that way. All right. Uh, well, let me ask you, um, what is it like working on such a complex show? Obviously, there's a lot of uh, different storylines, a uh, lot, lot of characters, a lot going on. Do you try to, you know, when you go into prepare, do you worry about what everyone else is doing? Do you just sort of focus on what your character's doing? Or? Uh, I mean, it's it's a, uh, you know, the, the wire is, is a, as far as well as an ensemble. It's, a, it's, it's, you know, everybody's storyline is interwoven. I, I I don't worry about what anybody else is doing, but I am very concerned about all the storylines. I love, I love all of them, you know what I mean? So it's like, um for me, what, like, you know, like when I prepare for, you know, for Omar, basically, I, I, um, I just tap into his mind, you know, I tap into his mindset. I, I see what I'm dealing with. Uh, I just, you know, 
and you know, you, you, you kind of, it, it deals with life as it comes, you know what I'm saying, he's a, you know, calculated, very, you know, um, strategic, moving kind of person, but, you know, he lives, you know, outlaw day to day, you feel me? Yeah. Get to that mindset, that kind of like, you know, it's kind of, you know, Take, take on that persona and take, you know, how you look at things. Uh, well, let me ask you, I know uh, we kind of got to see a different uh, different side of Omar this year in uh, episode. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what he said. I want to interview right now. Uh, um, one second. What you saying? Um, I'm sorry? sorry I can't. Okay. Um, well, I was just going to say, um, I know that uh, in episode 40, we kind of got to see a, uh, a different side of Omar, where uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, we kind of, you sort of venture out uh, unarmed in, in a pair of silk pajamas, uh, and you're incredibly, Omar's incredibly disappointed to find out that uh, the store is out of Honey Nut Cheerios. Uh, so I was just kind of wondering what was it like to do that scene? Was it sort of fun to get to show, you know, a side of Omar that we don't usually get to see, or...? You know, and, and it's, 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 uh, I think, I mean, you, you've seen those sides of Omar, it's just in different lights. So, it, you know, Omar's always, he's always showing you his vulnerable side. It's his, 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 his you know, he's, he's always been in touch with that. So, so that's, that's what makes him so, so volatile, you know, at times. So, so, um, I mean, the fact that he was, you know, you know, like I say, he's an outlaw, he lives moment by moment, you know, and, and, at that moment, he felt like he was walking to the store, right? and you know, you know, and I, and I love the fact that they show him as a whole person. You know, this is this is his world, this Omar's world. You feel me? And it, even in Omar's crazy, dark, warped, you know, just you know, sick and insane world, he still like everybody else wants to get up in the morning and just walk to the store and get a box of Honey Nut Cheerios and a pack of Newports. It's just, it's, that's the uncanniness of it. You know, it just, it's still, it, no matter how, you know, much you think you might not, it's like a six degree separation kind of thing. Everybody's connected. We all want the same thing at the end of the day, no matter what your job, what your occupation is, you know. All my goals are robs drug dealers. You know, you go and you, you tell at a bank. You feel me? So, it, you know, it's a, it, it's a, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to get up in the morning and have a little breakfast, a little <laughs> coffee, you know, read the paper, you dig? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, it's funny, too, because then in that scene, you know, he's actually standing out there smoking a cigarette, and, and they just sort of drop the, uh, the the drugs next to him because he's Omar, and he's almost, you know, he's disappointed that, you know, it's almost like, you know, his work, he's trying, he's off today, and, and his work is still... Uh, That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I'm off today. You know, I know I could have gotten that. <laughs> I'm off today. I'm a little working right now. You know, it's, now I got to lug this home. <laughs> you know, he was off today. You know, that's exactly what that was. You know, but, you know, yeah. Uh, well, the, the other thing, this season's been sort of a, uh, a rough one for Omar. Um, obviously, he uh, he was framed, you know, for the robbery, and he ended up in, in prison, which was kind of interesting to see, too. Uh, I was just, what did you think of the, you know, that storyline, that direction this year? And what was it like doing those, the prison scenes? Um, that prison scene was, was, almost, was like, surreal. It was really, a, it was really, a, it was a, 
whole another another side of the game. I've never had to venture into that into those um those types of situations as Omar before. And um just going down that road with him and and, and, and being and it just it was a scary place. Me as Michael man, I was like, God I I mean, I just had to, like, you know, you got to close your eyes. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Just trust you. With, I mean, because it's, it's really dark. And, it's, you know, um, um, there were, you know, there were people in that scene that um, were the real deal, you know, saying the truth. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to leave it at that. You know, you know, seeing all my people, I mean, they know what I'm talking about. There was a lot of dudes in there that was the truth. And, and um, um, it's just that energy in the room. It was, it was crazy, man. It was really crazy. And I loved, I loved our um, fact that uh, you know Omar going to jail. It shows that you know it, it humanized him. It made him those scenes made him like you know no wait a minute you know Omar realized that he, you know he can get it too. You feel me? Like you know it just it just it just I, I love when they show that and and you know because with and because it, it shows what he's made of. Because at the end of the day, when them them two dudes came in his in his, in his cell before he let him know who he was. What he did, right? He put his hands up. He was right. ready to go out. You know, like you know, like okay, this is what it comes down to. This is what it is. And 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 at the end of the day, that's why people love him and respect him. And and that's what that's what pulls people to that character. It's like you know, you know, saying you know, he's a soldier. He's a, he's just a soldier. I tell you what, that had me worried, man. When I was watching the episodes, I'm sitting there like, come on, man, they can't get Omar. You know, and you, you got the phone book wrapped around you, and the guy tries to to stab you and everything. I uh, because it, with the show, anything can happen, and I, you know, it, it was definitely uh, good stuff to watch. So, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, well, well, let me ask you too. I have to ask this, and I know you're not going to answer it, but uh, I still have to ask it anyway. Um, the episode 49 uh, just aired, and they have uh, it ends with Omar robbing uh, Prop Joe's truck, and he uh, ends up with the shipment of drugs meant for the co-op. So I have to ask you, what's going to happen in the season finale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I can't. <laughs> yeah, actually, by this, what by the time this is, um, well, I mean, what, what is this? Is it in the magazine? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it'll probably, um, yeah. I'll play it like this. I'll tell you this much. Omar could have a lot of angry men in the, out of that co-op. I tell you, that one, I would tell you, you're going to have a lot of upset gangsters. A lot of them. That much, I will tell you. Is there a, is there a lot of Omar in the season finale? Or? I'm sorry. Is is Omar in the season finale a lot? Or? Oh yeah, he's in, he's in the season finale. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, let me ask you this one too. Um, obviously, I know that you have no clue uh, what the writers have planned for Omar for season five. But I was just kind of curious to know where you'd like to see the character go. Um, how would you like to see Omar's story end? Maybe get out the game. 
like that, man. That, that's very nice, actually. I, I somehow I doubt that's what they're gonna go with, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going. <laughs> I'll, I'll be rooting for it, though. All right. Uh, well, let me ask you. Um, after uh, spending, you know, so many years working on the show, what do you think it's going to be like when it comes to an end? Uh, you know, how much do you do you think you'll miss it when it's gone? And I mean, do you think you're ever going to find another show out there like this? Or? Um, no, that's. I mean, um, um the, the, the the wire. It's um, and um, to me, the wire is to television what Tupac Shakur is to music. They're going to get it long after it's gone. Okay. I like that. Um... Let me ask you, uh, I have an interesting question here for you. Um, there was an ESPN uh, column that recently ran. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, but it was uh, it was basically talking about how pro athletes are all, there's a lot of pro athletes that are big fans of The Wire, and especially of the character Omar, uh, even though they're uncomfortable with the idea of having a gay teammate. And her, the writer, her belief was sort of that a strong gay character like Omar could help athletes be more accepting of homosexuals in the locker room. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, well, first of all, are you a sports fan? And is you know, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, I love sports. I mean, I'm not like I don't like run for TV and things like that. But I, I got a lot of athletes who are, are friends of mine. You know, Antonio Freeman, Sam Cassell, Carmelo Anthony, Keon Carpenter. These are very good friends of mine. I've known them for a couple of years now because you know, ironically, all of them are from the city of Baltimore. And since I've been down there for the past four years now. Going on five years, I've, I've gained rapport with all of them. So, so you know, um, um, I mean, at the end of the day, the reality, of the fact is, you know, Omar is not going to remember it for who and what he slept with. And let's all just face it. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, if Omar did, if if a, if a dude with Omar, like Omar, did happen to end up on an NBA team with them dudes, okay, they're gonna be cool with it because you know it. it, it Of, uh, of, uh, 
you know, like, you know, like, I, I've had gay men come to me and, and, and say, thank you, you know, for breaking the stereotype. I, you know, and, and these are people I could, you know, look at them out get cute, you know what I'm saying? I said, thank you, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I, I just, you know, I feel like, damn, you know, so about it, you know what I mean? I, I feel, you know, that, I, you know, who the thug it, man? I, I feel, you know, this is because I recognize the fact that when I took them on and, and with the sexual content like that, I realized I was taking a huge gamble, you feel me, that, 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 you know, and I don't know where I got, and I just, I don't know what, what clicked in me or triggered, but something just told me to embrace that about him. Something told me if I even dare run from that, or even dare flinch or, 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 or glitch at that, at the mere thought of that, I, I stop, I will fucking lose, it will be, if I will lose, you feel me, and I just, man, I, you know, just, it, it's, you know, it's, I can't, I can't explain, man. I had to go through it mentally with that, and just like, and just, and just totally, like, you know, you know, relinquish any type of like whatever stereotypes, whatever. Just like, you know, just okay, and that's just what it is. It's bedroom activity, and then okay, but then you, you feel me, and then take it somewhere else with it, and and um, um, I don't know. I just, you know, I tell people, it's like, you know, the response that I got from this character is, I, you know, I hoped at best. You know, it would have got me another gig. <laughs> I hope the best. You know, I said, damn. You know what? If anything, I hope it's a rule my career. But I hope it's the best. In a, in a perfect world, somebody will see me, and I might get an agent, and I might get another gig out of this. That's the most I hope for. I've gotten all this character in this show, and 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 this and and. The, the part that I play in this beautiful story, this beautiful American story, has sur so far surpassed any of my wildest dreams of anything I could, any rewards I could have ever gotten from this. I feel so honored to be a part of this. This puzzle that has been picked to have been chosen to play, to, to help portray the story. It is, and uh, you know, there's no money that could ever, that could ever, you know. Make me feel as good after having that feeling. The people I've met, the other actors, the co-workers, man, I, I will. I, I doubt in my lifetime I'll ever get a, a feeling that 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 like that from like the, what I've gotten from the wire. But you know that's okay. I, I, you know, you know, you're saying you only get you know what I'm saying like you only get one mother. <laughs> the wire is my mom. I got I, got, <laughs> I, I can say I got one off, and, and I feel good with that. And you know what I'm saying. But but um, the whole you know I. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm just, I'm, I feel honored to have been put in a position to to bridge a segue in my community, you know, and if it means, you know, I'm not saying, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, you know, I'm not saying anything, all I'm saying is I just feel grateful that anything, I have something to do with something like what you talked about, about, you know, athletes seriously you know, like, you know, like, it's, man, because, you know, it came up before with, with a conversation that I had a, with um, Brothers from the Ravens. We had a, a, a roundtable conversation at, at the Ravens' house out there, you know, in Owens Mills, and that topic came up, and um, and they, they said that, and it made me feel, it made me feel good, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, not, doesn't even be having a part to do, you know, a part of that, you know, because I, I didn't think it would be like that. Alright, well, uh, let me ask you too, what, what do you think you'll miss most about the show once it's done? It... Uh, all my coworkers, my coworkers, seeing them and knowing that no matter what, you know, I know I'm going to see them for six months after year in Baltimore, we run around that city getting in trouble and 
feeding off of each other. They all kind of crazy shit, man. I, we had a good time. Believe it, though. I had a great time working with all all of them every every year. You know, because you know, in, you know, you know, we, there's a whole. You know, you know, every year you get a new shipment of, of uh, there's a new breed of actors that come to the show to introduce the storyline, and there's a bunch of us that's been around for a while. I got to, you know, we get to introduce our new family that comes in every season, and and man, it's just I've just been so blessed to be a part, a part of that process to see, you know, you know, like you know, from everybody from Chris Bauer to, to Pablo and, and all of them into season two, to, 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 to you know, season one with with um, well, you you know, you know, with, uh, with Harrison and Idris Elba and all of them, and, and, and Larry Gilliard, you know, and, and Michael Jordan Jr., you know, they, you know, they, they, all these characters are gone now, and like, you know, in a sense, it's kind of sad because I know where this storyline goes, I know where this, where this road leads you to, but the same talk, you know, I'm doing relationships, relationships with these people, working over four or five years, you know, and being out there in Baltimore, and, and, and us just embracing the city and, and doing this thing together, and you know, like when the characters get killed off, you kind of you know, you're not okay, like, you know, that's, that's one I'm not going to see next year. And, like, you know, like, you know, it really hit me, um, it really hit me this year, you know, saying, like, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's going, you know, like, if we lose another character this year, you know, you'll see it in the finale, and, you know, it's just, it's like, wow, you know, it's just like, it's real, it's, it's real, because it's, it's, I'm, I'm dealing with a real story, and it's real because, you know, I have a relationship with these actors, and, you know, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's just, it's a very, surreal feeling and I don't even know if words can explain it but um you know it's crazy you know like we're playing a story where I know where the road goes to it you know you know the story of Baltimore the city of Baltimore so, you know so it wasn't meant to entertain you it was meant to educate you you know and let you know what's going on and show you know the truth you know what I'm saying and I think that's what resonated with this show so much with people is because it's the truth you know and um Every year I feel a little sad when we, we rap with that, with that season finale rap. We get a little sad because you know, there's a whole other course. We don't see nobody. Although we grew up, we, we fucking, oh, God, it's killing me. I can't wait for this shit to be over. <laughs> oh, I want to go home. And when that shit is over, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking miss you. <laughs> so, like, this, this next year, you know, that's it. You know, and then, um, you know, you know, um, I want to, you know, Because you mentioned you guys uh, when you're filming, you all like to uh, hang out in Baltimore. God, any uh, any good stories you want to share? Any uh, any good nights out with the cast? Man, I could be here all night, my brother. <laughs> we had we we really did the city of Baltimore. I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that, man. You know, Andre Royo, Sonya 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 song, uh, 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 Seth Seth uh, Gilliam. You know, say it. Oh, my brother, yo, we we. We, in case y'all didn't know, we the Brad Pack. We the new Brad Pack. Me and my brothers at the Wyatt, we are definitely the new Brad Pack. And that, that's what's going down. Yeah, man. Had a little one-on-one out there in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, and um, Dom, Dominic, Dominic West, Dominic Lombardozzi, all of them. Everybody, I miss everybody, man. We had a great time down there putting that shit. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of long days. But um, at the end of the day, like I said, I think... Um, we look back 20 years from now, not just society, not just, you know, any particular rate. To me, too, I'm just talking about just us, us as a people. And I look back at that particular story, those five seasons, it's going to be like, wow. 
let me uh, let me change gears a little bit here. Um, uh, I, I have to admit, I was uh, I was a little surprised to see you pop up in the uh, R. Kelly's "Trapped in a Closet" video. Uh, so just uh, gonna, I was just kind of curious how uh, how did you get involved with that project, and uh, what was it like working on that? Just I mean, it was one of those things where I was watching it, and seriously, I was like, "That's Michael K. Williams," you know. Actually, I got I got hooked up with that through uh, Shelby Stone. Shelby Stone was one of the producers on Lackawanna Blues, and um, she was working on that project at the time. And, um, it, 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 and I don't know if everybody knows it, but in the original, the first one through four, the one through five that he first first released, the cop was a different a different guy. And when he went back to start filming six through twelve, the gentleman who played the cop was doing a, 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 a Broadway show down there in, um, in Chicago, and couldn't um, couldn't you know couldn't get out of, out of his obligation. So that's when Shelby was like, "Well, like, I got a friend, he might can do it. I don't know, maybe if I can get him, let's see if I can call him." <laughs> She's like, "Yo, Mike, get your ass down in Chicago, motherfucker! <laughs> Come on." <laughs> down there and um you know me and robert you know we hit it off instantly that's a good brother right there and i really enjoy working with him and we had a ball we had a lot of fun <laughs> shooting that just as much as just as stupid as it looks doing it look, when i say stupid i mean that in a in a funny way that, that's how much that's how much we acted up off camera making that damn thing man sometimes we just had to call cut to some laughter and crazy <laughs> shit just, I'm hearing rumors that he's probably going back through some more chapters. He's going to, we stopped at 12. I think he's going to 8 to 12, 18 or something like that. I forget. But I think he'll be going to production in December with that. That's the word I'm getting from the team. I don't know. I have to keep an eye out for that, though. Um, yeah. Well, I know too. Uh, last time we talked, you mentioned that that you got your start as a uh, as a dancer, and you've done a bunch of videos. Do you think you'll end up doing more music videos down the road? Or are you kind of done with that at this point? Oh hell yeah! You're gonna see a music video coming from me real soon, but I'm gonna be dancing no more. Yeah, we'll be. I'll be rhyming. Still be. Oh, well, you actually coming out? You you have your own music coming out? Oh yeah, I got permission from HBO to put all my own wax. What can you tell me about that? What can you tell me about that? What? Yeah, you know, basically, um, it, it all started but, um, from like I was like Jam Master J. You know, is a good friend of mine. Well, is a good, was a, a good. His business partner is a good friend of mine, Derek Pridgen. And I uh, was like back around first season. I was in the middle of airing, and one day them three, I got like on a three-way phone call with me, and it was like, yo, um, we want to. Um, Yo, can, can you can you rhyme? I'm like, I mean, I said, you know, me and Father C was, you know, back when I rhyme as kids, but, you know, got a little salt and salt. We said, well, we've got this concept, we're going to put all on wax. We think it'll be crazy. And I was like, oh, shit, that does sound kind of interesting, you know? So, you know, in the process of us getting to work on that, um, he got taken from us. But, uh, you know, we you know, we fell back with it for a minute and started taking it up a little bit. And um, then I started noticing, you know, I started getting all this response from the, the world of hip hop. I was like, this feels there's something there's a connection here that that you know I don't see with other actors or with with, with, this, with the hip hop community. I mean, I know the hip hop community got love for you know all our, you know for all our brothers be doing it, but I was feeling like I don't know. There's a surge. I'm feeling this 
they would see the shot the why out on the music and you know, you know, you know, you know, talk about about Omar on the music and hey, everybody the why and and the love I started seeing when we started going out and the love we was getting from the community. It started. I was like, oh shit, you know, it just, it just really just tripped me out, you know, and and um, um, um you know, so I started like it started making sense. I was like, well, damn, you know, they, you know, I got a little everybody like you know what I'm saying, Omar, they Omar, everybody taking the nickname Omar. I'm like, well, damn, let me run with this a little bit, you feel me? And um, we started getting back in it and going hard at it, and um, um you know, I caught the attention of a uh, uh, Jimmy Hinchman over there, Zon Entertainment, and we, we you know. And I'm in the studio. I'm not signed yet, but you know we, you know, once some mixtapes right now, we we definitely you know some the recording process. We gonna see what happens. But um, yeah, I'm just having fun right now, just you know recording it and 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 using the same. It's interesting going into character in the in the mic booth. You know, what I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, what I'm saying as, as opposed to being on set and, and uh, I use a lot of the same. Um, you know, uh, tools, you know, to get into character, but it's not on film now, I'm in, in the booth, and um, it's crazy, I, I, you know, so like, you know, people listen to the music, they get the same show as when they see them on screen, and, and that's what I want to do, and that's, that's kind of fun for me right now, it's, it's an interesting process. Yeah. Cool, you, you'll have to, uh, to keep me posted on that, man, you have to let me know when that, uh, that's coming out. Oh, hell yeah. That definitely sounds interesting, yeah. man. Um, let me ask you, too. Um, I know that you are involved in a movie uh, directed by Chris Rock called I Think I Love My Wife. Um, just wondered if you could tell me a little bit about that movie and your role as Teddy in it. And what was it like, you know, working with Chris Rock? Well, you know, um, Chris is, you know, he's one of the um, people I respect, you know, him coming from Brooklyn like myself and, you know, when he's, when he, when he's taking his career himself, it's, it's very, um, you know, inspiring to me. And um, it was, a, it was, it was just an honor even being his president. Actually, you know, he's a hardworking brother. I had a great time working with him. He knows the hell he wants as a, as a director. He um, he wrote, he wrote and directed and produced this, and um, he wears all three hats extremely well. He had the lovely Kerry Washington there. We had a great scene. It was really just one scene where. You know, he 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 really. This was a different type of film. So this 
serious you know, serious piece, you know, dramatic piece, and he, um, he just is really hands on. I love how he will come and work with you, and like, like, like the will you come, you have all your, you have a scene down, ready to come and just lay your scene down, and like right there, he'll just like change it all up, and because you know, his concert where he works, where he lets keep it's a certain freshness, he lets keep you on it, on it. Man, it just works, it just works. But you gotta be, you gotta stay with him. You feel me? You gotta stay with him. <laughs> and when we all clicked that from, from day one, we just clicked with him. Yeah, I think he had a very long uh, career as a director, a big feature as a director. Well, you know, he's already. He's excelled, and he's excelled in everything else. Why not directing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, well, brother's dope, too. I was like Casey Affleck. He's the next thing. Also, Morgan Freeman. Great cast. Ed Harris. Dope cast. Oh, nice. Dope cast. When is that coming out? Do you know? Or? Not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> uh, well, what other, what other projects do you have in the works? Anything else you want to talk about? Or? Well, right now, my music's got me really, really excited, really busy with that right now. And, um, I know, um, um, you know, a couple of things coming about. I don't really want to speak of just yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I want to drink some, but, um, um, yeah, right now I can say definitely look out for that music and that fifth season of The Wire. <laughs> and that's definitely. That's March, right? Did you start filming that? Or? Yeah, spring. This is we'll say spring, from spring of 07. Okay. Um, yeah, with those guys. Um, well, let me ask you, what, where would you like to see your career headed in the future? Have you given any thought to that? Like, what sort of... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want a five-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to fall back a little bit now. Let me know what I'm saying? I'm turning turn the lights on. I'm going to turn the lights on y'all now. Turn the cameras around <laughs> and put them on y'all. I got a production company, Freedom Productions. That's F-R-E-E-D-O-M-E. Freedom Productions. And, um, yeah, I want I got a bunch of things in development right now, me and my, my team, and, um, yeah, I want to get some projects out. I want to, you know, create some opportunities for some, you know, young up-and-coming talent that I, I got my eye on. You know, one being Felicia Pearson, who plays Snoop on The Wire. Got a, you know what I'm saying? I got a big hand in her, in her career. I want to, you know what I'm saying, stay hands-on with her. There's another young brother from East Lapwich, Brooklyn, by the name of Fly Williams. He's been in a bunch of stuff. His first film was with... Um, fighting Forrester with um with uh, uh Sean Connery. He's been in Freedom Land with um with um with um Samuel Jackson. He's he's actually like like my little nephew from my hood and whatnot. So yeah, I got a lot of little little up and coming youth that I wanna I wanna help develop and be a part of and if I can just, you know, create some develop some projects, you know what I'm saying, give a lot of talent some you know, some chances and stuff and yeah. Let the young kids do it. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you too. Is there uh, who who out there today impresses you? Like uh, who you know? What actors out there? Who who would you pay money to see in the theater? Man, um, oh, I mean, I, I'm still paying. I'll pay money to see Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> he still gets my dollar. Um, uh, oh my God, Sam! I love Sam. I still I go. I still want to go see a Sam movie. Uh, uh, damn it, this, God, there's so many movies, uh, let me see, let me, it's just, it's, uh, it's crazy, it's crazy, I mean, you know what I mean, just, yeah, those two right now, definitely run out of I go catch day movies. Alright, um, what do you think you'd be doing for a living if you never got into acting? I don't know, and it's even bigger than, than acting. I 
of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.